Let's look here at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I sure have enjoyed the testimonies this morning. And I want you to know, it never, it never bothers me to hear someone tell about when they got saved. In fact, it blesses my heart. And that's part of going to church is that the fellowship is we, we, testify, we testify of the Lord, but we're testifying to one another. And, and, and when I hear about when, when others got saved, it blesses me because it reminds me when I got saved. And uh, nobody knew what I was preaching this morning, but it's all the Lord's worked it all out, and I thank the Lord for it. Um, we're going to read quite a few verses, so I'll allow you to remain seated. But I want to ask you to do this. And um, whenever the preacher or a preacher is opening the Bible and reading his text, uh, do not sit there and just, you know, zone out. Zone. I believe it helps for every person to bring. I believe every person ought to try. And I'm not trying. I ain't looked and checked who brought Bibles and didn't. But I believe it's good if you don't have one to have your eyes on one. If you don't have one with you to have your eyes. Because when you read the text as he reads the text, it speaks to you personally. And every word that we're going to read is important. It, it matters. So let's look here. And, uh, and by the way, you're going to be brought into judgment one day for what you hear. And so you better pay attention and get the message the Lord has. We're going to read all 18 verses, but be of good cheer. We're not going to preach on all 18 this morning. Uh, in fact, I'm probably going to just get down to verse number 7. And then tonight we'll finish the message. But verse number 1, let's all read. And I'll read aloud. You read there silently as we read. The Bible says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, not handling the Word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. If you want to know who God is, look at Jesus' face. That's what He's saying is all the glory and all the beauty of God is in the face of Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life of also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Everybody says, and I'll give you all a break, pause, Everybody says or they'll say that they want people to see Jesus in them. But the only way for them to see Jesus' life in, in us is for us first to have Jesus' death in us. So then death, verse 12, worketh in us, but life in you. We, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. 
knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up also, shall raise up us also by Jesus, and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Father, I pray you'd help me this morning, Lord, and I trust that you will bless the reading of thy word. Lord, you have sworn to us, you have promised to us, that, Lord, you will honor your word, that when it goes forth, it will not return void. And I pray that this morning you would help me now as I attempt to take and make application, Lord, and take these words that you've given unto us and preach them to this crowd. I pray that this would not be some letter written to a church 2,000 years ago, but I pray that each one of us would treat this chapter and these verses as if we woke up this morning and it was laying on the pillow of our bed a letter straight from you. And I pray you'd enable me, Lord. You know my failures. You know my weaknesses. Lord, you know me better than I know myself. Lord, I pray now that you'd help me. I don't want any recognition, Lord. I don't want any reward. I don't want any praise of man. But Father, I do want to enter in one day and hear you say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I pray, Lord, you give me boldness, Lord, and you give me compassion. And help me to preach with the power of God evident in what I say today. We love you, Lord. We need you. We need revival. I need revival. Our church needs revival. Lord God, this country needs revival if it's ever needed revival. And I pray you'd start it right here in this pulpit today. And Lord, I pray you'd set my being on fire. And I pray, Lord, that that fire would spread to everyone that's here. Lord, for that poor soul that's here lost. Oh God, how my heart breaks for them. I pray the heavy load of conviction would be more than they can bear today. Lord, that they would stop kicking against the pricks. Lord, they'd raise their hands and surrender and accept You as their Lord and Savior. We love You, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Verse number 1, Paul said, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry... As we have received mercy, we faint not. And then in verse number 16, he says, For which cause we faint not. And if the Lord will help me, I want to preach on that thought. We faint not. Did you know this morning that fainting in the work of God is a threat to everyone who attempts to do it. If you're here this morning, you say, Brother Martin, I'm strong, I'm, 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 I'm excited, I'm, I'm thrilled, I'm, I, there's no threat. I want you to know that, that, that many times you can go from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows in just a day. And I want you to know this, that if Paul had to say this, I believe by saying this, he was implying that fainting was something that had threatened him. But he writes to this church at Corinth and he says, uh, we faint not. If there has ever been a believer that would have been justified in fainting, it would have been the Apostle Paul. 
There's never been a man or a woman that endured more, that suffered greater, that that gave up, that sacrificed more for the cause of Christ than the Apostle Paul. He turned his back on his lineage. He turned his back on his training. He forsook everything that he had and put it all on the Lord Jesus Christ. And people hated him for that. He said, we faint not. And if he could say that, we can say that too. I want you to know this morning that fainting should not be an option. You and I this morning have too much to lose to faint now. You know, if we faint right now, what we're going to miss, we're going to miss the harvest of our labors. And every day, I mean, and it seems like on a weekly basis now, we hear, I hear of men, men of God that have fainted. And, and, and that word faint, it means to break. It means to, to surrender. In fact, these first few verses, are he's using terminology that's connected to athletics. I know that makes some people mad, but Paul, he loved athletics. He loved competition. It's obvious in his writings that he had watched the Olympic Games and had observed where he talked about, he says, no man that fights, he said, we, we don't beat the, you know what I'm talking about? He's talking about punching somebody in the face is what he's talking about. Amen. Uh, but these are wrestling terms. And, and the word faint means to surrender, to tap out. I referenced WCW earlier. And in my childhood days, we grew up on Saturday morning wrestling because we had bunny ears. And TBS was the only channel we could pick up with wrestling. And, and you know, they'd get one of them men and one of them, one of them figure fours or uh, the scorpion death lock or something like that. And, and, and what they do, they tap out. And what Paul was saying here is we're not tapping out. We're not surrendering. He said, I'm hurting. It's his heart. But we cannot tap out in the war. Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not be weary and we'll do it. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Listen, we can't faint this morning because, listen, everyone that's here that's been saved, listen, there is a harvest waiting on you. There is a reward waiting on you. How foolish would it be for a farmer to go out and to plow his fields and to plant them and to fertilize them and to water them and then turn around and say, I'm giving up. I'm not going to wait till the harvest comes. Listen, we, we cannot faint because of what lies ahead. I believe fainting, though, is evidence of a deeper problem. Brother Mike recently has had some issues with dizziness, and that's kind of what fainting is speaking about, lightheadedness. And I, 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 I've studied this some in the past, and they say that when someone has a problem with fainting, that it, it, it's, a, it's a warning of a bigger problem. And, 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 and you know, if you were to fall out and faint, the first thing they're going to check is they're going to check your heart. Their heart. The Bible says in Proverbs, I believe it's chapter 4 and verse 22, Solomon says, keep thy heart. He told his sons. He said, keep thy heart with all diligence. Keep thy heart. For out of it are the issues of life. Have you ever wondered why Solomon was so adamant about that? You don't know why? Because you can read back in his story in the book of Kings and Chronicles and it said that he loved these strange women and that they stole his heart. 
You know this morning the reason people faint, the reason people tap out, the reason people give up, the reason preachers give in and, and quit preaching and, and, and get out of the ministry, the reason church members uh, quit going to church and quit serving God is there becomes a heart problem that they don't want to address. Health problems. People with diabetes. Too much sugar. Not enough sugar. I believe in the 21st century, I believe that's the century we're in still. Sometimes it's hard to know if we're 21st, 25th, where we're at. But we're somewhere out here in the future. I believe in the 21st century that much fainting comes from way too much sugar and not, not from not enough sugar. You say, what do you mean? I'm talking about them, them, them you know, the, 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 those, those sweet things, those things we like. But the Bible says that in the last days that men will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And, and, and listen this morning, I'm talking about feigning and it comes from a heart problem. And, and this morning, it, that's why we got to guard our heart and keep our heart right with God because if our heart gets wrong and, 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 and we start losing our heart to serve God and to live for God. And listen this morning, it's sad, but all across this country in churches just like ours that you could go and talk to them and they could tell you a story about a man or about a woman or about a boy or about a girl who were on fire for God who was serving God who loved the Lord and all of a sudden they fainted. It was a heart problem. Health problem. It comes from a heat problem. You get too hot you'll faint. Isn't that right, Brother Hunter? (laughs) And uh, you know a lot of times people faint because they get overexposed to heat. You know, the heat, uh, the heat has been turned up on the church in the days that we live. And, and the pressure, you say, but Brother Martin, how can we survive the heat, the pressure? Listen, we've got shelter. Uh, the child of God has got a refuge that they can run to. Uh, we, we can go. You say, where is that? It's underneath the wings of the Almighty. Uh, there's shelter in the arms of God. And if we don't find that shelter, we'll faint too. Also, can be caused from head problems. I say when a person faints, it's a result of not a, a not enough blood flow going through their vein. I hate to keep referencing. I know some people think this is, but he is talking about wrestling here. I don't believe he's talking about wrestling. There's a difference between wrestling and wrestling. You know what I'm saying? I like wrestling better than I do wrestling. But you know, if you put your arm, now I'm not encouraging anybody to try this, but if you put it around, I make Burr Hobbs come up here, I'll do an illustration. No, I'm just kidding. And you squeeze down on their neck. You squeeze down on their neck and you squeeze tight enough. What's going to happen? Y'all, y'all, y'all act like y'all never watched it, but some of y'all, y'all still watch it today and you don't want to admit it. But what they do, the old referee coming there, he'd throw that arm up. And everybody would be hollering, come on, come on. And then he'd come in there and he'd raise it up again and it'd fall down. And oh, me and my brothers, we all, come on, come on, don't, don't, no, come on. Wake up, don't do it. And, and oh, and I can remember the nature boy, they'd have him in one of those. And that third time, they'd pick his arm up and that old hand was strong. And then he'd start stomping that foot, you know. Man, I'm feeling good. And before you know it, he was hitting with that back slap. And, and you know, anyhow, and, 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 
And what I'm saying is this morning, the devil may have you in a headlock and you may feel like what Luke Paul said, I'm not going to let my arm fall for the third time. He said, we faint not. We faint not. But, the, but that all is easy preaching. <laughs> but the, the thing, the hard part is how did he keep from fainting? I believe that of all things you could say about the Apostle Paul, he wrote half the New Testament. Pretty good accomplishment. He started untold churches. I mean, we don't even know how many churches he was involved in starting. When we get to heaven, I don't know how many millions. In fact, if you really want to get down to the technicalities of it, he pretty much is going to get reward for pretty much every person that ever got saved in Europe, America, because he took the gospel there first. But Drew, of all the great things about him, I believe the greatest thing that I like about him is he wouldn't faint. He wouldn't faint. I'm talking about stoned, thrown over and left for, and died. I mean, he died. I believe that. He said, I know a man, whether anybody or anybody I can't tell, but he said he was taken up to the third heaven. I believe he wasn't, taught, he wasn't name himself because he didn't want people to worship him or brag him, but when they stoned Paul, I believe he went to heaven and God said, Paul, I ain't done with you yet. You go back down there and get out of that rock pile and go back. And he went down there and got back up and went back to preach up. They whipped him with a cat of nine tails and they left him for dead, shipwreck, famines, all kind of problems, but yet he would not faint. Put him out in the boat and that Eurocodon comes and the boat's sinking. They're throwing everything over ship and the boat's broken up. I mean, it's go, they're going down. And what does old Paul do? He steps out on the show, on the, on the, whatever you call that, on a boat. I ain't been on too many in my life. The deck of the boat. And he says, Sirs, be of good cheer. Amen. He said, The gods who I serve and who I am told me this night that we would suffer no loss. Amen. And float not on the pieces of the boards of the boat. He said, I told y'all God said we'd be alright. He wouldn't faint. But Paul was a man just like I am and a person, a human being. And I believe that the secret was not in his intellect or in his resolve, but it was in a spiritual secret that he knew how to lay hold on. So this morning, I want us to look at verses 1 through 7. And I want to talk to you about how to keep from fainting. At some point in time, you're going to want to faint. You know, but anyhow, I've got to hurry. There's so much I can say about this. There's going to come times in the Christian life where fainting seems like the best option. But you can never choose to surrender. You, you, you can never choose to tap out. You can never choose to give in and say, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not going to. But what Paul said, we thank not. Look at this. He said, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we thank not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the Word of God deceitfully. And by the way, it is a sin to take the Bible and use it to, for your own purposes. Amen. Amen. It's evil. 
And that's what he said, we've not done that. But by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience. He said, verse 3, but if our gospel be hid, it's him that, them that are lost. In whom the God of the world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus our Lord, and ourselves your service for Jesus' sakes. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, here it is, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure. in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power of God may be of God and not of us. How did he quit, keep from fainting? I believe this. The first thing I'm going to say, and I'm going to be done, is he had received the remedy for his sins. I believe there's a lot of people that are not saved that are trying to serve God, and they can for a while, but sooner or later they're going to faint. Because you're trying to do something. You're trying to be something. You're trying to act a certain way that you're not able to act. You don't have what it takes. Paul said we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And he talked earlier, he talks about those that, uh, those that the light of the glorious gospel had been hid from and that the God of the world had blinded them. He said in verse 1, we've received mercy. Uh, listen, how did Paul keep going on when he felt like giving up? How did he keep in the battle when he felt like tapping out because Paul had a day in his life where Jesus saved his soul and he said I can't faint because he saved my soul. He did not faint on me. How can I faint on him? Look at this. The mercy of the salvation. Verse 1. As we've received mercy. As we've received mercy. You want to know one of the great tricks of the devil that he uses on us? He gets us to think that we deserve better than what we have. He gets us to think, and I've seen it, I've seen it in people. They ain't got nothing. I'm talking about they ain't got two nickels to rub together. Poorer than Job's turkey. I mean, look, I mean, they get saved and they get right with God. And I mean, look, God changes their life. And if you get saved and get right with God, He'll change your life too. And they get in church and they get on fire for God. And guess what? They get a good job or a better job. And God blesses them. And they start, you know, doing better. And they, 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 you know what I'm talking about? They give them a little better house. And they start driving a little better car but somewhere along the line they begin to think that they have earned that that they deserve that I've got news for you this morning all of us deserve nothing but hell mercy that means he says we have received mercy he didn't say we've earned mercy but we've received it I want you to know this morning how can we keep from fainting? We must remember that we have received the remedy for our sins and that remedy is brought to us because of the pure mercy of God. What I deserve today is to be in hell with the devil and all his angels. But thank God for mercy and grace. Amen. And that even though we deserve judgment, God had mercy on us. We begin to think that our lot is not what we deserve. I want you to know this morning, if I had, if I had my lot that I deserve, then the night I bowed at an altar 
and asked Jesus to save me, God would have said no. And I would have left that church that night as lost as I was when I came in. I'm talking about if it wasn't for mercy. If it wasn't for mercy that night, God would have said no. You don't deserve it. You ain't earned it. And not only that, you're never going to deserve it. You're never going to earn it. You know you can preach a million messages and never earn the mercy and grace of God. And brother Justin, if I had my what I've earned, I would have had to live the rest of my life aimlessly drifting through life with no purpose and no hope. And I would have taken my last breath in this walk of life and taken my next breath in eternal life in the flames of hell. But thank God He didn't give me what I deserve. But He gave me mercy. Amen. Titus 3, 5. Not the works righteous we have done, but according to His mercy He has saved us. How grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. And I thank God for grace. Amen. And we ought to have a little grace on each other too. Amen. It's funny how we like to get grace, but we don't like to give grace. Uh, you know what? You reap what you sow. If you want somebody to show grace unto you, you ought to show grace unto them. Amen. Uh, blessed are the merciful. Amen. For they shall receive mercy. Uh, what I'm saying is, uh, listen, grace is God uh, giving us what we don't deserve. Uh, but mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. I thank God for that, don't you? Paul said, I can't thank because I've, I've received the remedy of sins. And it was the mercy of God. Paul in Acts chapter 8 and verse 1 was breathing out threatenings against the church. He was wreaking havoc in the church. If you look up that word havoc, it's the word they use to describe what boar pigs do when they go. If you've ever been through any woods where there was wild pigs and wild hogs, you'll find they destroy it. If you were to take a couple of hogs and put them out here in the backyard and fence them in, give them a day or two and it'd be destroyed. They don't just eat. They tear up. They root up. <laughs> and that, that is what Paul is wanting to do to the church. He consented unto the death of Stephen. Amen. That great man of God, Stephen, full of the Holy Ghost, a man of God. I mean, one of the first deacons in the first church of Jerusalem. And Saul stood by and held their coats while they stoned that innocent man. What I'm trying to say is Saul was a murderer. He was a God-hater. He was against Jesus Christ. He, was, he had made it his life's goal to destroy the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said he was the chief of sinners. At first, he said, I was the chief of sinners. Oh, but if God can save the chief of sinners, He can save anybody else. And God, Paul said He had mercy on me. God never gave up on us. So how can we give up on Him? The mercy of salvation, verse 2, but have renounced the hidden things. In case you're wondering too, if you think you've done too much to be saved, you're wrong. <laughs> Romans 5.20, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. The mercy of salvation. Verse 2, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Not walking in craftiness, nor handling the Word of God deceitfully. I believe he's referencing his old life. 
Before he got saved, that's what he did. He was crafty. He was dishonest. He handled the Word of God deceitfully. He would use it to kill these... He would use... That's what them Jews were perfect. They, they knew the Bible better than anybody else. And they, they'd sit there and look at it. But the only problem is when they looked at the law of God, they didn't see themselves. They didn't condemn themselves. They were looking for opportunity to condemn somebody else. And Paul said, that's where we were. But verse 3, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them which lost. And whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of this God, should shine on them. He had received, now he's talking about the mercy of salvation. Don't you see the message of salvation? He said in verse 3, uh, verse 2, the word of God. Verse 3, our gospel. In verse 4, the glorious gospel of Christ. I want you to know this morning that if you feel like fainting, if you feel like giving up, if the devil's got you in some type of headlock and you feel like you can't get out, don't tap out, don't throw in the towel. Remember the mercy of your salvation. But remember the message of your salvation. Oh, hallelujah. I thank God for His Word, don't you? I thank God for this book right here. 1 Peter 1.18 says being born again and not a corruptible seed but an incorruptible by the word of God that liveth and abideth forever and the word of God's quick powerful and sharp to his sword and you know the night I got saved and there's a man of God that took the word of God and he cut all my excuses off and he cut all my uh, my, my false professions off and he hugged me out over hell with the word of God the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the message of salvation. Paul said in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. This morning, if you're here and you're lost, I want to tell you what the message of salvation is. It is that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He was God in the flesh. God manifest in the flesh. And that's exactly who He was. And we beheld His glory. At the glory of the only begotten full of grace and truth. He walked among sinful men. But He never committed sin. He marched up Calvary's hill. He carried a rugged cross. He died a death for you and for I. He was buried and three days later, hallelujah, he walked out triumphant. That is the message. It's nothing else and nothing more. Nothing less and nothing more. That's it. Everybody's wanting to get some revelation from God. You've got your revelation from God. Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, He said in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. You know what God's last word to you was? Jesus. (laughs) Oh, what a word it was. (laughs) I thank God for the message, don't you? The Word of God. Praise God. I know y'all probably don't are ready to go. I don't know. But I'm trying to keep from fainting. I don't know about you. But I I don't want to faint, Drew. I don't want to tap out. I don't want to give up. I don't want to surrender. And what helps me not to give up is that blessed old book that I hold in my hand. God's wonderful book divine. How firm a foundation ye saints for the Lord is laid for your faith in His excellent word. What more could He say than to you He has said ye who did Jesus for refuge have fed? Fled? 
And that gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I come out of my office this morning, I look one more time. I look at it all the time. But on my wall, there's a, it says license to the gospel ministry. It's February the 2nd, 2002. And it says, we hereby... Uh, having witnessed the gifts and, and the, the, the gifts and enablings of God and the call of God upon James Martin's life, hereby license him to the gospel ministry. Amen. I want you to know that means more to me than anything else. Is that fact that that church down there, they saw something in me, not much, but they saw the working of God in my life and they said, you're going to preach the gospel and we're going to stand behind you and I may faint tonight, but I thank God He's given me mercy and allowed me to preach the gospel. You know what people need? They need the gospel. It'd do everybody a lot good if they turn off Newsmax and Fox News and quit listening to Tucker and Candace Owens and the rest of them so-called conservatives. They're not near as conservative as you think they are. They're money grubbers is what they are. You'd be a lot better off if you'd spend more time just thinking about the gospel and giving the gospel. I'm telling you, you, we could, you could, you could, you could have a perf- a president that was a, I'm talking about born again, Holy Ghost filled man, and you could have a Congress full of nothing but Bible believing Christians, and the and the Senate, and every governor in the United States be a born again, God fearing man or woman, and every every mayor, and every city council, and every school superintendent, and every principal, and every janitor, and make it all just, and and people would still die and go to hell. <laughs> I'm here to tell you this morning that we cannot faint because of the message of our salvation. I want, you, I want to ask you something. There are people that only you can reach. And if you faint, who's going to tell them? I've often thought if I were to faint, if I were not to, who would be there that next service that I could have won to God? If you faint this morning, if you give up and give out and tap out and listen, I want to ask you something. Who who is going to tell them if you don't? The message of salvation is the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus. The glorious Gospel. There's nothing. Listen, there are other Gospels. But there's only one glorious Gospel. Those other Gospels, they they preach another Jesus. Paul told the church of about they preach another Jesus. Oh, and I'm trying to be sweet. I am. I don't, this is not a mean message, but I want you to know that Jesus of modern religion is not the Jesus of the Bible. He, listen, I, I believe He loved sinners and He didn't just say He loved them, He died for them. But He never told them to go on in their sin. In fact, He would tell them to go and sin no more. And this idea that Jesus, I saw this the other day, made me want to vomit. It was a, it was a first of all, I don't like all these pictures of Jesus. That's, that's, that's an image. That's putting God in the image of man. I don't like that. That's why we don't have no statues in here of Jesus. We're not going to have no statues of Jesus. I'd rather just look to Him by faith. Amen. Amen. What's up? Anyway, I don't want to get on that. I don't want you to get mad with all your little icons that you got hanging around your house that you like to look at. All your little false man-made gods, graven images or what they are. But this was one of those uh, pictures somebody drew of Jesus with his long hair. I've got a problem with that, first of all. But I'm not going to get... If I could grow long hair, I might grow it just for a week while I was on vacation just to see what I look like. But anyhow, maybe in heaven, God will give me glorified hair. Amen. 
Uh, but Brother David, it was his long-haired, uh, sissy-looking, uh, little measly mouth, weak uh, skin, you know, bones sticking out, and he had a rainbow flag over him. Uh, and he talked about pride. I want you to know something. Uh, I've got no, uh, I've got no hate in my heart. God knows my heart. I've got no hate in my heart uh, towards those uh, those that are caught up in that lifestyle and that sin. But I want you to know my Savior uh, never put a rainbow flag on and He's not celebrating Pride Month. It's another Jesus. He's got another spirit. I, I could go on and on and on, but that's another message for another day. But there's only one glorious gospel. Amen. That's the one we preach. We can't quit. We can't faint. Paul said he received the remedy for sins and involved the mercy of salvation. The message of salvation. I'm, I'm about done. I mean it for real. Verse 5. I got to say something preach tonight. In case Brother David goes and prays again, then I'll have to... I appreciate somebody getting up before the sun to pray for me. I do. I appreciate it more than anything else. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. How did Paul quit keep from fainting? Because of the mercy of salvation the message. But then he talks about the mediator of salvation. What good is a remedy if it cannot be applied. And Jesus is the mediator of salvation. 1 Timothy 2.5 For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Paul met him on the Damascus Road and that changed his life for not only time but for all eternity. And for that day forward, I believe every time, uh, you know, how did Paul keep going when he was, I mean, being betrayed by his closest allies, being lied about, falsely accused, uh, put in prison, having to stand in front of Nero with nobody, uh, nobody to stand by his side. Uh, how did he keep going on? Uh, because of Jesus Christ the Lord. He said, I'm doing it for him and nobody else. Uh, I'm going to keep going on for him and nobody else. Jesus never quit. In fact, he said it, I think it's John 17, 4, where he was praying that high priestly prayer. Everybody talks about the Lord's prayer being that over there. Our Father which art in heaven, how be thy name? That's not the Lord's prayer. John 17 is the Lord's prayer. Jesus and Matthew was teaching them how to pray. It was a model for them to follow. And reciting them words don't give you some spiritual power or some type of secret. And I'm not against it. I know some people there are against it. But I'm not necessarily against it, Brother David, as our Kentucky people like to talk. But I, I'll say this. There's no secret sauce in that prayer. There's no magical potion on them verses. If you want to know how Jesus prayed Himself, look in John 17. And He said this, Father, I have finished the work that Thou gave me to do. But you said, but Brother Martin, it wasn't done yet. Oh, it was as good as done. <laughs> he was going to do it. He was going to finish it. 
Then on the cross, as he laid there on that cross nearly near death, he cried out and said, it is finished. And then he gave up the ghost. You know when we can give up is after it's finished. That's the only time. Verse 6 through 8 talks about the miracle of salvation. For God, who commanded light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Here's the miracle of salvation. Salvation, and this is Bible salvation. <laughs> not Baptist, not Presbyterian, this is Bible salvation. Bible salvation will give you a new perception. He said, verse 6, For God who commanded light, Shine darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge. You remember when Paul met Jesus, Saul met Jesus, and his eyes, the, his eyes were, he, he was blinded. And then he went and he talked to them and he got back and the scales fell off. Did you know from that day forward, he saw things in a different way? Listen to me this morning. If you get saved, your perception will change. It won't bother you to be in church. It won't be a burden to you to hear the Word of God. It'll be something you long for. It'll be something you yearn for. It'll be something you want more of. Listen to me. You cannot see. Listen, you cannot see it unless you've been saved. He said the light. The light. As I said, I was raised in church my whole life. I hated every minute of it. I did. I'm serious. I hated it. I was awful. I got beat. My daddy and them say they whooped, they whooped me. I guarantee you I got more whippings on the front steps of the church than most kids get in their entire life. I'm not joking. He'd throw me over the shoulder. I'd sit there as long as I could. I mean, look, I'd bite my tongue. I'd sit there and just try to be good. But being good was something that wasn't much fun to me. I liked being bad. And it wouldn't be long. He'd have me over the shoulder. It happened the same time every time. The preacher say, y'all pray for James. And I mean, here we go out the back door. That belt, y'all know what that sounds like. Yeah. I ain't going to do it because I'm afraid my pants may fall down. But anyway, I've been losing weight. i got to gain a few more pounds. But you know that sound when that belt hits all them loose? When it comes out, he grabbed me by the arm, and here we go. We called it the North Georgia Rain Dance. And we go around and around and around and around. And not once, but sometimes two, three, four times in a service. Uh, so you, two, you say, well, them whippings didn't help you. Well, you, you wouldn't want to meet me if I didn't get them whippings. I'd be a serial killer or something. Seriously. And, and what I'm saying is, I hated church. I didn't like church. I didn't like communion. We went downstairs and drunk all the grape juice just to make them, just to be rebels. I'm telling you, we did. Had, I thought God was going to kill me one time for doing it. We ate, all the, we ate all them little unleavened things and drunk all the grape juice and got the worst stomach ache. I thought it was the judgment of God. You know, there where Herod and the worms come, I thought that was happening to me. And I mean, I was lost. I thought, oh no, God's killed me. Anyhow, he had mercy on me. I didn't like singing in the choir. I didn't like going to Bible school. I didn't like Awanas. I didn't like Master's Club. I didn't like anything to do with church. I didn't like preaching. I didn't like singing. I thought it was all stupid until one night the light of the glorious gospel shined in my heart. And I said, oh, <laughs> that's what it's all about. 
<clears throat> he gave him a new perception. Verse 7, there's a new possession. He says, but we have this treasure in earth and vessels. He said, we have this treasure in earth and vessels. <clears throat> That's talking about the Holy Ghost, I believe. Now, we are earthen vessels. We are clay, dirt, all we are. A bunch of dirt held together. But when you get saved, you get a treasure. Brother Mark, I may lose everything I have. That treasure will always be there. There's a new possession. And oh, what a blessing it is to have the Spirit of God I'm glad He don't just come and go in our hearts, but He abides. There's a song, we don't see it here, we have, I don't believe, but about, it says He abides, He abides. Hallelujah, He abides with me. And the Comforter, the Comforter, He abides in us. And Jesus said, I'm going away. He said, but it's expedient that I go away. What He was telling them is, it's better for me to go than to stay. That didn't make no sense to them. They didn't understand that. But what He was saying is, if I go away, He said, I'll not leave you comfortless. He said, but I'll send unto you another comforter. And praise God, He has sent another comforter. He met them in John chapter 20 in the upper room. He breathed on them. They, they, he gave them a portion of the Holy Ghost. That was just to get them to Pentecost. But at Pentecost, I don't know how you dice it up and slice it up, but I believe that day at Pentecost, the church of the living God received that treasure in their earthen vessels. Amen. And old Simon stood up and preached with all boldness and 3,000 got saved. Have new possession. It's a treasure. Now, the only bad thing about this, there's nothing bad. The only difficult thing for us to swallow about this is the only way that that treasure in me can have an impact on you is for this to break. For the vessel to break. And all of us... <laughs> I know it's like, I don't know what you'd call it, that people, there's a word for it, I can't think of it this time, but they look at it some like, you know, like me, sad, negative way. But the truth of the matter, matter is, if God's breaking us right now, you know why He's breaking us? So people can see the treasure. The treasure. Paul said we have this treasure. Paul was a man that, that oftentimes didn't even have food to eat, had nowhere to sleep. He had to make tents just to get by because the churches there, they wouldn't, they couldn't, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they couldn't take care of him, so he would not be chargeable. By the way, it's not wrong for the church to pay the preacher. It's hard preacher to talk about, but it's wrong for a preacher to charge for preaching. There's a difference. He didn't have much of anything. In his older age, later on in his life, they say he died in his mid to late 60s. He didn't live a long life. He had a broken body scarred from the whips and the stones and all the beatings he endured. He had no friends. He said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. He had no allies to stand up and to plead his case. But when they laid that, his head on that chopping block, Brother David, he still had that treasure in his earthen vessel. 
There's a new power. He said that the power may be of God and not of us. He said, Brother Martin, I just don't know if I can live it. You can't live it, but He can through you. This morning we can't faint because we received a remedy for sins. Oftentimes I've wondered why did Paul, he always told his testimony. And by the way, I don't get tired. Miss Angela, if you want to testify about when you got saved ever, so, Drew, if you want to testify ever, you've, if God's in it now, if God leads, I'm not saying just do it out of show. I don't believe you do. I don't believe, I'm saying this. Don't ever get, I never, never stop talking about when you got saved. Amen. The Apostle Paul, though, every time he found himself in a, one of them, you know, Felix, Agrippa, you know, He'd always go back to his testimony. And I've always thought about it as he was using that to try to win them. And I believe he was. But I think at the same time, he was going over again to remind himself of what Jesus had done. This morning, if you've been saved by the grace of God, then you've got no excuse to faint. There's no excuse. There's no, listen, if we, if we must look today, you say, how can I, how can I keep from fainting? How can I keep from tapping out? How can I keep from surrendering? You've got to remember that there was a day in your life where God gave you the remedy for sins. Maybe you have fainted. And you've gotten out of the way. You've gotten out of the will of God. You've gotten out of the church. You've gotten away from God. How do you get back? Remember, you received the remedy for sins. And He'll take you back. He will. He'll clean you up. You're just an earthen vessel. That's all we are, is earthen vessels. But if you'll put your vessel back in His hands, He can use you for His glory and honor. Amen. 